Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders, sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum ABM. Welcome to this episode of Account-Based Marketing. This is part one of two episodes recorded from our virtual summit where we launched the Momentum Customer Buying Index. It's a natural stepping stone for us and an example of how we're developing better and better ways to understand the many factors that drive buying decisions in the enterprise. And it brings together 10 years of experience with proprietary research to provide a really unique picture of who buyers are in key markets and what their expectations are of vendors and how they like to be engaged by sales and marketing teams. The the latest research was added just a few weeks ago where we looked at live buying cycles in this fast-changing market and we'll be sharing some of those insights in today's recording. For this episode, we're joined by Momentum's Director of Consulting and I'll leave you with Robert live from the event. As Alicia just said, uh, there is a vast amount of data and pulse information in this research. I'm going to share some of the uh, highlights with you in the next 20 minutes or so. But I want to begin with an important slide that says that looking at all this data, uh, which we spend a lot of time crunching and analyzing, uh, seems to actually resolve, resolve itself into a set of winning strategies. In fact, there are six key strategies that we believe based upon this research are fundamental to success um, when selling large deals to enterprise audiences. And those six you can see on the slide here. Uh, So the first one is, you know, how do you set about winning status as a trusted partner? What do you have to do to earn that status uh, in the uh, hearts and minds of your buyers? Number two is, how do you tailor your uh, engagement strategy uh, to the C-suite? and taking into account various nuances in terms of what you're selling, where you're selling, which sector you're selling in, and understand the different dynamics in play there. The third point is around demonstrating that you really understand your customer's business. And this is a a really salient point coming out of the survey. This is absolutely critical from the buyer's perspective. And it kind of links into the fourth point, which is around the fact that Uh, Buyers have new expectations of their suppliers, their vendors. Uh, They uh, don't just want you to uh, inform them about what you can do. They also want you to inspire them. And they are increasingly looking to their providers, their vendors uh, as um, innovation partners. That's a kind of uh, emerging trend um, in this data. Point five is around the critical importance of making sure that you communicate in in clear and helpful language. And also uh, point six, how can you avoid delays, uh, roadblocks in the buying cycle? Uh, We have some practical insights that can really help you in that area um, as well. So those are the six strategies. I'm going to share some of the uh, key uh, takeaways from the research. First slide here is talking about the average number of people involved in a buying decision. Remember, this is uh, large investments, uh, three million plus. And we found the average size of a buying team is is 15 people. In the US, uh, there is a slight trend to deploy smaller buying teams. Um, So that's something to be aware of. Uh, As Alicia said, this is a a continuous pulse exercise, an index we are are sharing here. 
And the latest finding, which looks at some of the impact of COVID-19, says that right now for deals that are currently in flight, the average buying team has actually reduced to around about nine people. So there has been a significant impact already from COVID-19. Clearly, we don't know how permanent that change is. And that's something we will be tracking in further waves through this year. Um, but it has definitely been an impact in terms of the average size of the buying team. Uh, I think a, a fundamental point that emerges too is that uh, in these large scale investments, IT has an absolutely central role. So in virtually every deal, IT has a vital job to drive consensus around decisions. So you, know, you really uh, bypass the IT function at your peril. I think that's, that's a useful reminder to all of us um, in, in, in this scale of deal. Another interesting insight is that the buying process almost always takes longer than customers expect. So over half of customers expected the, the buying process to take less than six months. But in reality, only 7% of deals uh, were completed in, the, in that time frame. So the process from the buyer side is complicated. And I think we all of us on this call need to keep that in, in our mind. It, it is not a straightforward, easy process for the buyers to make a decision and move through to the sale. I mentioned a first point around, you know, how do you get to trusted supplier status? We asked CIOs in the last three years, uh, you know, how many of your vendors have you elevated from just being a transactional partner to that trusted event, that trusted partner status? And for more than half of CIOs in the last three years, only one vendor had made that leap from, from vendor to partner. So the bar is raised very high here. Not many people get to cross that chasm. What do you have to do to earn that status? Fundamental to this is really showing your customer that you understand their business, not just a superficial understanding, but you take the time, the trouble, the energy to you know, really explore their business needs in depth and you show um, that understanding at every point of the buying cycle. So that is a, uh, an axiomatic point. If you're aspiring to be a trusted partner, which I know many of our clients are aiming for that position, it really begins with this demonstration of in-depth understanding. I think another important point to uh, think about is that uh, the C-suite is involved, as you would expect, in, in three million plus deals. The C-suite is very involved in these deals, but the C-suite is not equally interested in all kinds of purchases. So we found that when it's a, a, a back office deal, an ERP or back office finance system that's being uh, discussed, the C-suite is much more engaged than it is with cloud infrastructure deals. So there is a, a varying level of uh, interest from the C-suite. And that, I think, allows you to fine tune your C-suite engagement strategy based upon exactly what you're looking to sell and to make sure that you, you know, ad address those requirements. There are also, uh, we found, and I think this certainly took me by surprise, we found some significant regional differences in terms of the involvement of the C-suite in this buying cycle. So we found in the UK, the C-suite 
was involved in, in almost every decision in this you know, greater than three million uh, category. In the US, the C-suite was far less involved. So in other words, decision making in the US appears to be much more decentralized, much less hierarchical compared to the UK. And when we ask further, you know, how, how, how many people on, on the shop floor, as it were, the business are involved, in the UK, it's very, very few deals, you know, illicit input from those people. In the US, it's far more. So again, this is, I think, a, a, a strong pointer to the kind of engagement strategies you need to actually shape and configure to support deals in different parts of the world. So there are major regional differences in terms of the seniority of the uh, audience engagement. It also turns out that when we look across sectors, there are also variations in terms of the C-suite engagement. So you can see that in, in telecoms, the C-suite engagement is very high. When we get into retail, it is significantly lower. That's quite a, quite a gap there uh, across those two sectors. So the C-suite is much less involved in retail um, investment decisions. And actually what retail companies want and need seems to be something a little bit different. So they're looking for much more help in terms of how do they justify those investment decisions internally? So how do they kind of, if you like, sell up to the boards? And that is something they valued more than other sectors. So different industry sectors uh, seem to operate in different ways and have different requirements. And I think it's um, incumbent upon us to be aware of those variations and to factor those into account uh, when we're building our plans. Again, to emphasize this point, you know, proving that you understand the business um, is absolutely critical to success in the buying cycle. One of the questions that we asked and, and probed around was, you know, what reasons do you have for actually crossing a vendor off your shortlist? And the number one standout reason was, you know, when a vendor doesn't show understanding of what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve, what our business needs, that is the number one reason for removing a vendor from the list. So that understanding has really got to be kind of front and center in uh, through, through the sales cycle. And it's even more important for those, those back office finance, ERP type decisions than it, than it is for some other kinds of purchase. So if you're selling an ERP back office solution, you simply cannot get around this requirement for showing business understanding. A couple of other factors worth calling attention to. Uh, you know, if you're if you're slow to return calls, or if you're slow to respond to queries, or if you miss deadlines, those also give CIOs a reason to uh, you know, remove you from the list. So those are, I think, a useful watch outs as 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 well. I mentioned uh, increasing focus on uh, looking at vendors as innovation partners. So buyers are definitely open to innovation, but this, this theme of understanding our business uh, remains a constant. It, it, it's important not just in the early stages, not in, in that pre-sale phase, it remains imp important all the way through. And even to the last stage of actual purchase, being able to still show you you kind of get the business, get you get the customer remains a very important criterion from the buyer's point of view.
it also becomes clear in this data that what large enterprises are looking for is really a, a different way of engaging. So where perhaps the CFO is still very focused on making sure that your solution performs as promised, that your solution delivers the benefits that you said it would deliver. The CIO increasingly is looking for vendors and partners to come forward with new ideas, to be proactive, to lead with innovation, and even to identify buyer's problems before the buyer themselves is aware of it. And those of you familiar with the, with the challenger sale will recognize that positioning. Um, and it seems that that challenger positioning has really come of age uh, in terms of these very large deals at the largest enterprises. So being able to go to the customer proactively with innovation to call out challenges and opportunities that you can see based upon your market insight and, and awareness is very much valued by your customers. Customers also want you as their, their vendor, their partner, their supplier, to give them a vision of the future. They want to understand what does good look like? What is the art of the possible? What might the journey from where they are to where they might get to? How does that journey play out? And this is particularly important in cloud infrastructure deals. It seems that customers uh, perhaps struggle to envision that transition from an on-premise world to a cloud-based world, and they actively want help from their vendors to help them envision what that future state might look like and be able to uh, you know, understand that, uh, share that inside the business, and really bring that future state to life in a compelling way. So being able to kind of provide that vision seems to be something that's increasingly in demand. And in fact, Again, as Alicia mentioned, that we're, we're, we're doing a, 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 some, some pulse research right now. Again, one of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic has been that customers want even more help from suppliers to envision this future state. So they're actually looking for more help right now to make the business case and to really showcase the benefits and to bring those benefits to life for stakeholders. So that's becoming right now even more important. And as I said before, we will be tracking that to see how that plays out through the rest of this year and, and into the future. Something else that's important is that a, a, a shift through the cycle in terms of the balance between understanding possible solutions and being able to articulate and envision that value. So you can see from the graphic on the right, in the early phase of the buying cycle, customers are very focused at you know, identifying the challenges and mapping potential solutions to those challenges. As they move through the cycle though, and as they begin to identify solutions, build their requirements, and short the suppliers, it becomes increasingly important to them to articulate the value and the outcomes that you can deliver. So there's a definite shift that happens in the course of the buying cycle, a pivot, if you like, away from possible solutions to value-based outcomes that I think you, 
we, we all of us need to be aware of that, to recognize that, and again, to kind of build that into our plans and, and, and our thinking. A question that perhaps all of us on this call might sometimes ask ourselves is, you know, is, is the work I produce, the content I produce and deliver, is that of value? Does that move the dial? Does that make a difference? And the answer from uh, our Pulse research is that yes, very clearly it does. Vendor-based content is seen as being one of the predominant sources of inf information and inspiration by customers in the buying cycle. And again, it's particularly important in certain kinds of deals. So again, in, the, in, that, in those cloud infrastructure deals, it seems that uh, customers place an even greater premium on that vendor-based content. So it is important, as you can see, it outranks other forms of content. So the work we are all doing very definitely has value in the eyes of buyers, which is, which is good news. I mentioned about the uh, inspirational piece. I wanted to emphasize this point that um, inspiration and new ideas are valuable, not just at the beginning, but all the way through the cycle. So, you know, do not let go of that thread in your communication. You know, even when you appear to be um, in the kind of closing decision phase, do not neglect the, you know, the need for inspiration and that visionary piece in terms of your com communications. Particularly, as it says there, in the utility, utility sector where they seem to have a, a great need for that kind of content. I said marketing content is a vital trigger to the buying process. More than half the time, in fact, uh, customers say that it's marketing content that triggers the, the, their buying yeah. cycle. Again, it's it, you can see there, it varies according, according to what you're selling, but again, cloud infrastructure being the highest ranking uh, process, but it's important in all buying decisions. So the value of that is, is clear. Buyers very much value clear communication. They do not like confusing language. They do not like complexity. They do not like jargon. If you over rely on those kind of tactics, you may well find yourself thrown out of a deal. So it's really important based upon this pulse data to communicate your proposition clearly, concisely, succinctly, and to make sure it's accessible to all those different people on the buying team. Uh, you know, do not stray into perhaps the comfort zone of industry jargon. Buyers do not like it. And this inability to articulate value will definitely cost you deals. One of the questions we looked at was, when you look back on a deal and wished you hadn't actually gone with that vendor, in other words, when you when you had buyer's remorse, what what motivated that 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 remorse for you? And you can see that overall, that lack of a, an articulation of clear value was the biggest single regret from the buyer's perspective. Again, there are some slight regional variations. So in the US, one of the biggest drivers of remorse was um, integration issues. So when there was a perceived inability to integrate a new solution with what was already in place, that's important in, in, in Europe too, but it was uh, the overwhelming factor in the US. In terms of what causes deals to go off, off the tracks, off the, off the rails, if you like, it's very clear from this pulse that the biggest single roadblock to a deal going wrong 
or getting delayed or getting stalled is when the customer changes their strategy. That is likely to have an impact, especially in those ERP back office finance deals. Again, thinking about the pulse that's um, in motion right now, that's actually examining some of the impact of COVID-19. One of the factors that has risen up the list because of the pandemic is, is budget. So deals are right now stalling because of budget constraints. But change of strategy even now remains the number one gating factor for uh, that, that causes uh, roadblocks on deals. And you can see there, again, there are variations according to the type of solution you are selling. Um, so if we look at cloud infrastructure, you know, integration concerns are the most significant delaying factor for cloud deals. So again, I think you've got to be aware of for the kind of solution you are selling, what factors might inhibit and disrupt a deal and make sure you work around those. And interestingly, for HR applications, there weren't a huge number of those in our research. But the most common delaying factor for HR applications was when there was, in the buyer's eyes, a lack of clarity inside the buying team as to exactly what was the business need. So that's an interesting pointer for anybody on the call who's involved in um, HR applications. Um, another important factor is to uh, you know, keep the pace high. You know, don't let the process uh, slow down or flag. The buyer, as we've seen, struggles to achieve things in the timescales they want to achieve them in. And they do not like it when vendors are a dragging factor in that process. So being slow to respond, pushing back meetings missing deadlines, they all accrue you negative points in the minds of buyers. So in, in terms of actually keeping the dynamic, the dynamism of the process in place and keeping that going, it's important not to you know, fall uh, for any, any of these kind of um, slip ups um, on this slide. So that's a uh, a lightning tour of the research, picking out some of the uh, highlights of the data, just to play back this um, opening slide again, pulling all together all that data. We kind of form that into a set of six key actions around you know, what you have to do to win trusted partner status, how you can tailor your C-suite strategy based upon what you're selling and where and in which sector to show that you truly, deeply, authentically understand your customer's business. That is really, really important. That, that comes out so loud and clear in this research. Point four, again, to uh, you know, do not overlook the need for inspiration to um, enthuse, evangelize your customers and get them excited about the value of a proposition that you can bring to their business. To communicate clearly you know, your, your creative tools, your comms have got to be clear, helpful, not cluttered, not complex, and to keep the dynamism alive, to move at the pace of your customer, to do not, uh, not, not to cause delays and disruptions um, along the way. Thanks to Robert for being part of today's episode. Look out for episode two next month, where we'll hear from our expert panel, including TSB Bank's CMO, Pete Markey, and former Head of Transformation at HSBC Bank, Brian Hayes. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum ABM, the account-based marketing consultancy. 
transforming how sales and marketing teams grow their biggest customers. You can learn more at MomentumABM.com.